So today we're continuing our series. We're, we're still in the book of John and we're in chapter 14. Let me read it for you. Verses 1 to 11. Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've got a book here in my hand. It's called, If You Could Ask God One Question. And in this book, it's got the 12 most asked questions from atheists. It's based in the West. It might be different in different parts of the world. Based in the West. 12 most asked questions. And number one question, I would ask you to guess. We don't have time to play that game. Number one, ask question. God, if you're the, really there, why don't you prove it? God, if you're really there, why don't you prove it? In other words, God, if you exist, why don't you come and show yourself? And this guy, he tells a story um, of a guy called Steve. So the guy who wrote the book, he, he's telling the story of a man called Steve. It's a true story. He said, Steve joined the staff of the newspaper that I worked for. And we used to talk all the way through lunch about the important things of life. Get this. And then once we'd stopped talking about football, the conversation sometimes turned to God. Listen, he said. I'd believe in God if he were to come and stand in front of me. If I could meet him, talk to him and touch him, if only I could see him, that would prove his existence. Then I'd be convinced. This is what Stephen said to the writer of this book. The writer of this book then goes on to talk about John chapter 14. If God would only come and reveal himself, if I could touch him, speak to him, then I'd be convinced. 
John chapter 14. What we have here, I believe, is one of the it's one of my favorite texts in the Bible. This I am statement of Jesus, we know that there are seven I am statements in the book of John. This one is incredible. They all are. Jesus is on the eve, remember, of being crucified. So he's sharing in his last supper with his disciples. And he's on the eve of being arrested. He knows what's coming. Jesus is about to be tortured. The created beings that he created are going to hang him on a cross. He's on the eve of suffering the wrath of God the Father and experiencing the chasm that sin creates between us and God. Jesus is about to experience all of that. He says that his soul was troubled and yet Jesus seeks to comfort his disciples. All this is about to happen to Jesus on account of the disciples. He's dying for them. But his heart turns to his disciples, not his own suffering. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus has just told them, I'm going. If you remember last week, I'm going, and I'm going to a place that you can't follow me. Simon Peter perks up, doesn't he? He says, no way, not on my watch. I'll die for you, Jesus. Jesus says to him, Simon, the night's not going to end before you deny me three times. And immediately after that, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Even in the disciples' lack of faith, he knows Simon Peter is going to deny him. He knows Judas has gone off to betray him. He already knows that the sheep are going to be scattered once the shepherd is struck. He knows when he's arrested, all of his friends that are sitting and eating with him are going to run away scared. Jesus knows this. And even in their lack of faith and faithfulness to him, Jesus offers them comfort and hope. Does that not speak to us this morning? That is the beginning of this text. Jesus said... In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? What does Jesus mean? I will go to prepare a place for you. Is Jesus saying, there's a lot of rooms in my father's house. It's a new build. It's just unfurnished. So I've got to go. I've got to go and make the bed for you. And I've got to go put some towels down for you. What does it mean? I've got to prepare these rooms. Jesus isn't speaking about literal rooms, is he? He's calling his disciples children of God. You see, servants do not live in the master's house. Do you know that? In those times, there were house servants. And the house servant didn't live in the, in the master's house. Only the children did. The sons and the daughters of the master. In my father's house, there are rooms for you, children of God. I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare those rooms for you. What is he, so what's he, what will that entail? What does that preparation look like? He's pointing to the cross. 
When Jesus rose again, he was walking along the road to Emmaus. Two of his disciples were walking along. Their heads were hanging low. They've just seen Jesus die on the cross. They're walking back to Emmaus and Jesus, disguised, he hasn't revealed his identity. He walks along the road with them and he asks them, what are you guys talking about? And they say, have you, have you been living under a rock? Do you not know what's just happened in Jerusalem? The, the one that we thought was the Messiah, the prophet, the chosen one, they've just killed him. Our hope is gone. Jesus says to them, oh foolish ones. This is in Luke 24, verses 25 to 27. Jesus said to the two disciples, oh foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And then it says, beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Was it not necessary that Jesus should die on the cross for the forgiveness of sins? How else would you and I be reconciled to God? says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, be, he began to explain the scriptures to them that were pointing to him. In Isaiah, I'm only going to read Isaiah. There's so many prophecies in the Old Testament pointing to Jesus. You can't make it up. Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 6. Well, I read this. It's so descriptive. Read the whole of Isaiah 53. Go home and read that. 700 years before Jesus had even been born. You can't make this up. It says, surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, that is peace with God. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. They're sharing in the Passover together. Jesus is the Passover lamb. Jesus' blood was shed for our sins, that the wrath of God would pass us over. What was he speaking of when he said, I go to prepare a room for you. I am going to the cross. Simon Peter, you can't follow me to the cross. Disciples, you can't follow me to the cross. Only I can pay the price for the sins of the many. Only I am righteous. Only I can atone for your sins. So I must go. It is necessary that the Christ would suffer. But you cannot follow yet. So the first thing I want us to notice this morning, if, if, if you would, we, we've got all this, but there's one thing that I want us to see how this applies to us. Jesus has just told Simon Peter he's going to deny him three times before the night is even up. I've said this, Jesus knows the disciples are all going to, in, in their cowardice, are going to abandon him. And yet... He says to his disciples, I go to prepare a room for you. I'm going to the cross for you. I'm leaving now because I love you. And it is for your good that I'm going to the cross. He's speaking to sinners. 
He's speaking to sinful men. Men that he knows are going to let him down. He's speaking to you and me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. So we see that. Verses. Could you go to the next slide, please? So that's the act of salvation that we're seeing there. He's pointing to the cross. I must go and do this. That is verse 2 and 3. He's pointing to the cross. He's pointing to the resurrection. He's pointing to the finished work. I must do this to redeem you. I must do this to make peace with you and God. It is imperative that I do this to claim you as God's children. Because I love you. Let not your heart be troubled. Then we move on. To verse 4. And he says, and you know the way to where I'm going. And then Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we even know the way? Now he's just told them he's going to his father's house. He's just told them what he's going to do in his father's house. He's going to go prepare the rooms. And he's telling them why. It's because I love you. It's necessary. But Thomas doesn't understand. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus says to him, and I can't, I, I can't explain this text. I cannot do it justice. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Who can claim these things? Who can claim to be the embodiment of these absolutes? Jesus doesn't say, oh, I know the way. He doesn't say, I know the truth. I know of the truth. He doesn't say, I know how to get eternal life. He says, I am the absolute way. I am the absolute truth. I am the absolute life. I am Jesus is making a claim to divinity. This statement is beyond comprehension. It baffles even the greatest of human minds. It has confounded philosophers since its divine utterance. The most complete summary and exposition of Jesus' statement here is this. I am that I am. I'm God. He doesn't just say, I am a way, does he? He doesn't say, I am a possible truth among many truths. We live in a post-truth era, don't we? Pick your truth. He doesn't say that. In all the other I am statements, does he say, I am a light of the world? I am a bread of life. I am a vine. No, it's always the. There is one. There is only one. And it is I. Exclusively I. It, this is speaking of the exclusivity of Jesus. There is only one name by which man can be saved. I've got a Muslim friend. And I love him to the core. I love him so much. And I know he loves me. And, and one time we were chatting and he asked me a question. And I could, I could feel in his heart, in his mind, 
he was hoping for an answer that would agree with him. He said, Sim, he's a Muslim. He knows I'm a Christian. He watched me get baptized. Sim, you don't believe that, like, I'm going to hell, do you? Like, you, you, you believe that we're all going to heaven, right? This is what he said to me. You believe we're all going. You know, because we all believe in the same God, really. You know, there are many that think like that. There are many that say that all the religions, they all just, they lead to the same God anyway. You worship the same God. And most people that are saying that, they're saying that because they don't, they don't, wanna, they don't want you to care. It doesn't matter what you believe in, you're all going to heaven anyway. And he looks at me, he said, you don't, you believe we're all going there, right? Me and you. And I said to him, I can only tell you what Jesus said. It broke my heart. It breaks my heart to say this to him because I, he, he, he is a stark Muslim. He believes. He, he, he fasts when they need to fast. He does all the right things. I said, I can only tell you what Jesus told me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Exclusively me. Elsewhere, he says, I am the door. In John 10, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. John 11, 25 to 26, another I am statement. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever comes, uh, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked Martha, do you believe this? The apostle Simon Peter, the one who denied him, after he witnessed the resurrected Christ, after he was filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, as he's preaching to the crowds, he says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Only one name, our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who went to the cross and bore the wrath of God for you and I, for the forgiveness of our sins. Only one Jesus Christ, the one who on the third day rose again. It stands to reason that there is only one way. Because without the cross of Jesus Christ, without Jesus atoning for our sins, without his blood being spilled for us, the wrath of God is still upon us. Jesus is the Passover lamb. And anybody else that presumes to stand before a holy God without this atonement, without the cross, anybody who presumes to stand before God on their own righteousness, on their own good works and their own good deeds, they will perish. Because God is holy. But he is gracious. And that's why he sent his son. This is why, brothers and sisters, listen. This is important. This is why we need to share the gospel. Because there's only one name. There's only one way. There's only one door. And it's Jesus. We must share that. So, 
We've seen the, salva- the, the, the work of salvation. We've seen that Jesus is the only way. And then in verse 7 he says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Show us the Father, then we'll believe. Show us the Father, then our hearts will not be troubled. You just show us that and it's enough, he says. I love as well that, that Philip's speaking on behalf of all the disciples. You notice that? Show us and then we'll believe. Who are you speaking for them? Jesus, he says, have I been with you so long, three years, and you still, not, and you still don't know me? Philip, he calls him by name. <laughs> Philip, you still, you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. If that's not Jesus telling you that he's God, I don't know what it is. I have listened to many uh, Muslim apologists. And they all ask the same question. Show me one scripture where Jesus says, I am God. I can show you more than one. But this is a good start. I was with a friend yesterday, true story. My friend who I've known since secondary school, I've known him for 20 years. And I told him uh, that I was working on a sermon for tomorrow. And I pulled out my laptop and I thought I'd be cheeky because he's not a Christian. And I said, listen mate, can you do me a favour? I want you to read this for me and just tell me your thoughts. What do you, you're not a believer. He, 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 he went to church a few times as a kid, doesn't know the stories inside out. Couldn't, I mean, when I said Simon Peter, he was like, oh, who's that again? I said, just read it for me and just tell me what you think. So he played along. And I, and I said, what is the first thing that jumps out to you? And he said, you know what? I really relate to Philip. That's the first thing that jumps out to me. I relate to Philip. God, if you're, Jesus, if you're, telling, if you're asking me to believe in you, you have to do something to show me to believe. Give me something tangible. Show me that you're God. You're asking me to believe here. Philip had been with Jesus three years. Philip had seen all the miracles. He'd seen him walk on water. He'd seen him speak to the weather. And it was calm. He'd seen him cast out demons. He's seen him heal the blind, heal the paralyzed, raise the dead to life. He'd heard the teachings. He'd seen the love that he shows. And he says, just do, just do one, more, one more thing for me. Just, I just need a bit more proof. So Roderick comes back to me. I explained all this to Roderick. My mate, I said, listen, mate. Philip had seen it all. He's had all the proof. In verse verse 11, Jesus said, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. The works testify to who I am. I said, Philip had seen it all. He had had quite a bit of evidence, Rod. 
He said, yeah, I don't get it then. How after three years, after seeing all that, hearing all the teachings, what, what did he think, who did he think Jesus was then? I said, well, Simon Peter had said that he was the Messiah. So they knew he was somebody worth following. They left their jobs, they left their families, they followed him around for three years. When he sent them out to do stuff, they went and did it. So they obviously knew there was something special about him. Simon Peter said, you're the Messiah. He said, well, so did Jesus, did Jesus do or say anything that was concretely explicit to prove that he was God? Because right now, Philip, he's not believing, is he? So he must, did he do anything to, to, to make it explicit? If this teaching isn't enough, if like a lot of uh, Muslims that, that say, look, show me where he said he's God... Clearly, this isn't enough, Sim. So, is there anything? I said, yeah. There was something he did, actually, to make it explicit. I said, he rose from the grave. Those men that abandoned Jesus on, his, on that night, that ran scared, suddenly... It all changed for them. Suddenly, the church was built on these men. What happened? These men were cowards. Well, they'd seen the risen Lord. They had seen the risen Lord and it says that they worshipped him. And having been filled with his Holy Spirit, each one of them was then prepared to die for their belief in Jesus Christ. The man you crucified, Peter said, he rose again. Believe upon him for the forgiveness of sins and for the inheritance of eternal life. Believe, he says, in me. I'll be honest with you all, when my faith is tested, and there have been times in my life where it has been, when my faith has felt weak, there's one thing I always go back to. There are two questions I ask every time, and when I'm down and I've got no answers and I don't understand, and my faith is so, so small, I've been there. Did Jesus die on the cross for my sins? Yes, he did. Did Jesus rise again yes he did that much I believe it's enough it's enough I may have turmoil in my mind I may have a bunch of questions I may have a lot of pain in my heart I may not understand what's going on and why it's happening in my life why is this happening God how do I believe in you when all this is happening? I don't know all the answers, but all I know is that Jesus died for my sins and he rose again on the third day. When your faith is low, you have that. That is true. And so I put my trust in him anyway. Jesus begins in verse 1, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. 
Believe in God, believe also in me. I'm not going to stress that point too much. We're one in the same. At the end of our section in verse 11, what does he say? Believe me, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. What is the message for your troubled, troubled soul? What is the remedy? Believe in Jesus. Believe. They're like bookends. Verse 1, he says, believe. Verse 11, he says, believe. All of it. Believe on account of my works. Believe me, because I went to the cross for you. Believe me. In, in, and in my love for you, I went to the cross for you and purchased you as a child of God. In my Father's house, there is room for you. And you, and you, and you, and you. There is room. Believe me, because I love you. Believe me, because I am God. And as you believe in God who we know to be ever faithful, ever true to his word, I'm going to go prepare a place for you and I will come back for you, he says. Now, I, I'm not going to skip too far ahead. Next part of uh, John's chapter 14 is all about the giving of the Holy Spirit. That deserves its own week. So I want to end with this. Do you know that in God's house there is room for you? Do you know that Jesus prepared a place for you? Yes, you. Broken, guilty, one who lacks understanding, one whose faith is shaky and small. Let not your heart be troubled, brothers and sisters. There is room for you in God's house. The world might reject you. It might tell you there is no room for you in this world and it might tell you there is no room for you in God's house. The devil is a liar. He will tell you that. There is no room for you. You may feel utterly unlovable, utterly disgusting and revolting. You may feel completely unforgivable and unworthy. Jesus came for the likes of you. Little child, Jesus says, little child, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me. Believe in Jesus. Not in anyone or anything else. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Exclusively him. No other name. Jesus is enough for you. You don't need to search any further. You don't need to. He's enough for you. Trust in the Lord of all creation who came to dwell among us. Trust in Him who lived the perfect life of obedience, died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and then rose from the grave on the third day. Believe in Him and we will rise with Him in glory. If we repent of our sins and we put our faith and trust in him we will rise God it says will wipe every tear from your eyes 
Let not your hearts be troubled. Though your love may fail from time to time, God's love never fails. So let us believe. Amen. Father, thank you for this scripture today, Lord. Lord, I echo the words of that song. My words could not tell, not even in part, the debt of love that is owed by this thankful heart. Lord, I can't do justice to this scripture. I can't do justice, Father, to the magnitude of the truth that we have here, Lord, but we want to believe it, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Thank you, Lord, for loving us, even though we are completely unlovable. Lord, thank you for our salvation. Thank you for the assurance we have in your Son, Jesus Christ. That blessed assurance is not by our works, but it is by faith in Jesus Christ. The work is complete, Lord, and I am so grateful. Thank you, Father, for making room in your family for us before the foundations of the earth. So, Father, as we go now, would you empower us to share this good news with, with others? Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Anoint us. And let your word as it comes out uh, from our mouths, Lord, may it not return void. In Jesus' name, amen.